Totally screwed that up. Now we're live. That countdown was just for me and you, Jim. We got <laughs> to hit the go live button first. Oh, it's been a while. Okay. Welcome back to the Twin Cities Carry Live Show episode. Totally 20. screwed that up. Now we're live. Whoa, I'm getting feedback. Cool. That was that um, was me pulling up the video here. Yeah, we're a little rusty. It's been a month since we've been back on the air. Um internet whatever you want to call it i guess it's not air or transmitted but uh yeah welcome back to twin cities carry live show uh i'm jim i'm shane this is jim not jim that's yeah but uh normally we have a few others with us tonight uh it's like i said been about a month i think uh since we've been since we've had an opportunity to chat so uh jim how you doing good you it's it's been interesting uh Real interesting. We'll get into that a little later. Um, so, show is brought to you by Twin Cities Carry. We are a local firearms training company based here in the Twin Cities. Go figure, Twin Cities Carry. Uh, we cover firearms familiarization, basic pistol, uh, permits carry, DNR, which is coming up soon for us, and uh, any other firearms related needs. Uh, you can find us online at twincitiescarry.com. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I don't think, uh, I think that's all the social media. I don't know. It's too hard to keep track of them these days. We're not on Snapchat, right? Oh, I'm not even on Snapchat. <laughs> the only other social medias I know of would be inappropriate for a firearms company. We're not going to start an OnlyFans account. But it's working for you, right? Hey, got to pay those bills. Got to pay those yeah. bills. You know, Jay, glad you mentioned DNR. Yeah, we're uh, we're planning on having our field day a month from today, the 18th of September. It's going to be a little while yet before the sign-up sheet goes out, but uh, keep an eye out because I would suspect that that sign-up sheet will be up for 24 hours, 26 hours tops before we'll, we're full and cutting off the class, so... If that's yeah, something I mean, you're looking to do, you've got to be on top of it. These classes fill up normally, and COVID has made them even harder to hold, so they're even harder to find. Uh, yeah, even before COVID, um, right, it was hard to... Well, the, the last time we did it, the, the registration page was only active for 28 hours, and we cut it off, and that was pre-COVID. Once COVID hit and the DNR hit us with all of the COVID mitigation rules that we'd have to... Uh, Follow. We just said no. We're not going to do it this year. So, yeah, this is um, the first time we've even held one since COVID. Yeah, they were they were just not they were not they were not tenable. You could just couldn't meet the COVID restrictions that DNR had in place. So, yeah, uh, as you mentioned uh, before, co uh, the pandemic situation, the classes filled up instantly, and there were, if I remember correctly, from my DNR class, which you were in, we didn't know each other at the time. Um, I believe they said something to the effect of there are more there are more students or kids trying to get in DNR classes each year than there are available slots. So Oh absolutely. Throw the, yeah, throw the pandemic on top of that and it's just it's a non non feasible situation. So uh, you know, we're gonna be a little rusty too. Uh I have to remember the appropriate and proper way to use a deer stand, because uh, I definitely don't do that on my own and I should. Uh, we have to set up our little rope bridge and whatnot, and uh, I don't know. It'll be in interesting. Uh, do you remember the specific requirements for uh, individual going through DNR? How long? How many class? How many hours class time it is? How many uh, book session? I wanted to say it was something approaching ten because the the last time we taught it, we did it in three evenings. The, uh, that was that was where we had the fun time with the Edina police because for some reason the city of Edina let us use the city council chambers for the class yeah. and that's right across the hall at their their government center from the police department so AJ is walking in with a bundle of rifle under each arms as the police walk up and like um, that looks a little suspicious and AJ's like doesn't it and just continues to walk in. But uh, then, of course, after that, the uh, city found out what we were doing, which we had told them. and said, well, you can't do that there. We just did. So then, yeah. thankfully, the Ridgefield DFW picked up the slack, and we held the remaining two there. But it was three evenings. I can't imagine that we were there for much more than three hours, if that. So 
No, and, ten uh, hours maybe. Yeah, something like that. Uh, my um, my daycare lady, her daughter is currently going through the online classes, and um, I haven't had an opportunity to talk to her much beyond uh, mentioning, hey, you know, we got DNR classes coming up because she had she had asked me. They they're same thing. Struggle to find them. I was like, yeah, definitely, we'll get you in. And um, it's just interesting. It's good to see though. A lot of it's good to know that there are kids getting into hunting, uh, considering it was on the decline before before the pandemic. And then last year, I should say, for the for the balance of 2020, more people got back into hunting um, for whatever reason spurred that. So, Yeah, there's actually, you know, that much of a chance that uh, a hunting trip I'm talking about with my brother might actually happen, and it would certainly be my first. And, uh you know, if it happens, it'll be something I'll talk to you and, and AJ about as well. But I have a cousin who owns a ranch in Texas. So, of course, what's coming to your mind when I say oh, ranch in Texas? Hog hogs. Yeah. Yep. So there is a possibility that we might be down in Texas uh, hog hunting one of these days. Yeah. Uh, when you say we, I, I, how, how do I get in on that? <laughs> if it happens, I will be asking, okay, can I bring just right. my brother or can I bring a couple of friends and those friends will be you and AJ? Yeah, um, I absolutely want to do a hog hunt. Every I go to Texas a lot. Every time I'm down in Texas, that's it's what I'm looking at. You know, it's definitely something that's been very commercialized, which is okay. I have no problems with that. They're a very invasive species. They destroy farmers' crops. They destroy... Um, they destroy private property. So, yeah, I'm all on it, uh, all for it. I agree with with what they're trying to do. It's just a little spendy because it does look like a lot of fun. So Yeah, well, see, I think we'd be able to get rid of some of the expense because we're just going to my cousin's place as opposed yeah. to an actual commercial hunt. We probably would have to get licenses. We've got to look into that, obviously. But yeah. I don't know that we're going to have a whole lot of cost after the license other than, you know, general hunting costs, clothing, guns, ammunition, you know, whatever might be there. I don't know that we're going to have to pay any fees to do this since, like I say, it's my cousin's land. And in all effect, we're doing them a favor because this is a problem for them. Yeah. Uh, do you know what part of Texas by chance? Uh, they live in Dallas, so it can't be too far away from there. I got family just north of Dallas. Um, interesting. That could that could work out well. Um, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun, right? I, you know, AJ's got a pilot's license. She's got to get that helicopter license next, and we go full bore on bore from a helicopter. <laughs> no um yeah that'd be a lot of fun uh that's interesting but anyway yeah if, they, if that ended up happening yeah you and aj will be part of the conversation we just have to see it's it's in the barest of beginning stages right. at the moment right. so. nice yeah no um you know back to it though there was a lot of forgive me i'm screwing with my mic it's probably gonna make noise um yeah there were a lot of people that like jumped back into hunting which is which is good right it was on the decline um we hear every year that uh, <laughs> Jason just text, I will not be on. Really? <laughs> really? At eight minutes after the start time and you're not here. Okay. Like, cool. We weren't going to figure that out. We are going to talk about you then. Um, perfect. Boom. Done. All right. Uh, no, so, okay, whatever. A lot of people are, are getting back into hunting. That's awesome, but it also created a shortage last year for um, for rifle uh, rounds, for, for popular hunting rounds, right? You couldn't find 30-30. You, you just couldn't find 30-30. Um, I, I bought a new hunting rifle last year, 30-06. Uh, I was able to find a couple cases of cartridges right away, and then after that, nothing. And uh Recently, they've started to come back, and it's kind of what I wanted to jump into first here. Ammo is back, and it seems to be hanging around. Specifically pistol ammo, specifically 9mm, which is what all anybody cares about, right? So... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I've certainly seen the prices drop. I don't know that the the availability has increased as much as the prices have dropped. A lot of places are still rationing how much you can buy, but it's heading in the right direction. You can go on Brownells right now, which is uh, a fairly large site, uh, a fairly large company, excuse me. You can absolutely pick up a case of nine millimeter um, 
and order it, which, I mean. MagTex DC ammunition, I, I didn't look. Uh, what, yeah. what are they charging? Uh, 45 cents a round, uh, anywhere from 45 to 65 cents a round, depending on how much you buy, right? So if we try to purchase uh, 115 grain bullet, 1,000 rounds, full metal jacket of Cellar and Belliot, 45 cents a round. It's, it's not it's, bad. It's I, I still like to see it come down from there, but uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that a case was 600 bucks. Correct. Or more. Or yeah. More. And what, pre-March of 19, it was 13-ish cents around. Um, now I'm curious, though. So ammo's definitely back, but no primers. <laughs> No, no pistol primers, and there's some powder though. That's uh, 420. I don't know what I'm not familiar with that powder, but um, some powder at least. So I mean, hopefully that's making a comeback. Yeah, I had to buy a uh, 223 ammo for the first time, and I got reputable reloads for 41 cents around. I figured that's a pretty good price. I was talking to my brother who reloads, and he's his cost is about twenty cents around. So, forty one doesn't seem too bad, especially given where the prices were recently. Yeah, yeah um, I haven't. Had, I haven't for, virtually, I haven't had to buy pistol ammunition for a while. It's it's still a little higher than I'd like to pay. Yeah, I'm not willing to pay the price yet, but I mean, I've been saying for the last year and a half, two years, that it's going to come down, it's going to come down, it'll be back to normal, and, and it will eventually, it's just, you know, um, when and how long can you hold out? I mean, much similar to you, I haven't had to buy pistol ammo, that's, that's not true. I had to barter with you for some ammo. <laughs> So, but I haven't had to buy full metal jacket. I would I would call that barter. That was a loan. Fair we were loaned some ammo to be repaid within a you know set amount of time. I don't know. I thought I'd have it back to you by now, but uh, I'm getting a little worried about that note coming due. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to take a second mortgage out at this point with the interest. So, um, but no, yeah, it's we've, we've, we've still got a few months on that one. <laughs> Hopefully it's not still an issue. No, it's um, I'm seeing it on shelves. I'm hearing about it on shelves from people I know that uh have been purchasing that aren't in. We're not as fortunate to be in the same situation as me and you were with a significant uh, supply on hand. Uh, you know, that being said, it's still more than I'd like to pay, but at least we don't have the the people that are you know stockpiling. The second they see it, they buy everything they can like a, a certain gentleman that we know by the name of Nate. <laughs> so, all right. I'm just happy to see ammo coming back. Brownells did have powder listed the other day on their site. It was actually up for a couple hours, which means they had a significant amount of powder for reloading available if it was up for a couple hours before it sold out, which was awesome. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think one of the things that concerns me most with an ammo shortage is you don't get the opportunity to build a gun range all that often. No. And the gun ranges were slower because the customers couldn't find ammo. So if we lost a gun range or two here or there, that's not something that's likely to be replaced. So hopefully we can we can keep that from happening too often because not a lot of places are going to let you build a new gun range anymore. Most of what we have is, has been there for a long time back when – Thoughts about such things were different than they are now in the general public. You know, uh, you're, you, you've given me a great opportunity to shill for Egan Stock and Barrel location, uh, which I take every opportunity to uh, shill for because they're a great range to go to. Either Stock and Barrel location, one in Egan, one in Chanhassen. Uh, I don't know how the heck they got a gun range approved in Egan, to be honest with you. Like, it just confused me it made no sense that suddenly they're building a gun range in a very suburban area which is awesome it's a great gun range i very much appreciate them being located where they are because it's all of a seven minute drive for me um but yeah if you're if you're in the what south metro area near egan invergrove uh south st paul west st paul even st paul 
not too far from Minneapolis even. Uh, Egan Stock and Barrel is a great place to go. AJ's not here to to say where you shouldn't go, but um, it's, it's a better option. They have good yeah, Anything that starts with B. Right. Yeah, B is safe. Um, all right, so speaking of uh, Minnesota and uh, – I mentioned Minneapolis in there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a, a transition to talking about Minneapolis. Pulled up a story here just before we got talking earlier. Uh, this is from the Truth About Guns. It's absolutely a bit of a biased website, so yeah, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but Minnesota res- Minneapolis, excuse me, residents are getting exactly what exactly the government they voted for. Um, I don't know who Dan Zimmerman is, but we'll see. Um, what I what I found interesting is there were some really striking numbers in here. Uh, so just to read from the story here, it's not a manufactured crisis nor one of sensationalized stories. The statistics are staggering. According to a May 20 meeting with local leaders, year-to-date homicides in 2021 have more than double compared to 2020. The police department has seized 100 fewer guns this year approximately a total of 300 compared. so 25% that's a significant number as right. well we need to, to give it some reference yeah that's a significant reduction um reduction is the wrong word there but uh, gun thefts from vehicles are up for more up more than 100% i mean i'm guilty of it from time to time for a while there weren't carjackings up almost like Five hundred percent, seven hundred percent. And I just read something too that the the Minneapolis police have now raised the threshold of the violation that it takes to get pulled over. So they're literally saying we're policing less than we used to. I don't know that they have any option. Like normally, I would be like, oh my god, they you know they. They voted to reduce, like what Seattle and Washington State are doing right now, in which we're not going to, we're not going to arrest you or pull you over or, or violate you for this, that, or the other thing. I don't think the Minneapolis police have the police force to do that type of policing. No, aren't they something like twenty percent below minimum staffing or something? Yeah, like that? I can't remember the numbers we talked about. So, yeah, from them though, it's not a matter of they're not they're choosing not to prosecute, they don't have the force to prosecute. Yeah, they're literally light on the resources needed to do this job, and this is how they're getting around that. Yep. Uh, so going further into here, Minneapolis Police Dashboard, which is just a report, uh, reveals that violent crimes have increased from 1,696 during the first five months of last year to 1,940 through the same period this year. I would also argue that there is less reporting this year because people absolutely believe the police are not going to respond because, unfortunately, the police are not going to respond because, again, as we just mentioned, they're stretched too thin thanks to the Minneapolis uh, City Council. Um, So homicides have increased additionally from 18 to a stunning 35 putting the city on a trajectory that could well surpass the record-setting number of 97 in 1995 when the national media regularly referred to the city as Murderapolis. I remember those times. Um, I don't want to get into the whys and the wheres and the whats, but it's not uncommon for those of us from the suburbs to flat-out state I don't go to Minneapolis for anything. I will not go to Minneapolis for anything. I have no needs. I'm done. I've been to Minneapolis twice this year, and it was things I could not avoid. Yeah, you you had to renew. You had no choice. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I found those numbers to be shocking. Um, you know, additionally here, aggravated assault numbers, 1,034 so far this year, an 8.5% increase over 2020. And an eighteen point seven percent increase over twenty nineteen. Yeah, you know that that would be what I would want to see too. Is how do these things compare to numbers prior to twenty twenty? Because 
I don't know that numbers for 2020 in most things are typical because that was just the most atypical year I've ever seen in my let's not say how many because it's getting to be a pretty damn big number. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, had I had more time or spent more time preparing, I, I could have pulled those, you know, uh, 16, 17, 18 numbers. Because I, I agree. Because you know, I, I thought I had heard that stuff was up last year, because especially the quarantine, you know, just all that little friction between people, and now they can't leave the house. Right. And a lot of the domestic type within a household type stuff was up significantly last year. So if we're talking numbers higher than 2020 for 2021 for those same type crimes, that could potentially have been a huge increase over 17, 18, 19. Yeah. Uh, agree, and again, I, I I do think a lot of things are maybe not now, but I believe there was a period from the middle of nineteen to April May of twenty where there was was far less, not even reporting. People were making calls, but police weren't showing up because they're not staffed and whatever. We're not going to get into why they are or why they aren't. Um, so. We had a lot less reports made because the police officers just were spread too thin and they couldn't make it there. Law enforcement was unable to to arrive or flat out not allowed in certain areas in the city. Um, So, yeah. So the whole point I'm getting at, and I'm not trying to make it a political thing or anything like that, whatever. Everybody's got their own opinion. I'm cool with that. Don't get caught slipping, right? Like, you got to be carrying. You got to do the things that that are protecting yourself. Um, the biggest and most important one, we talk about it a lot in class, especially when we teach together, is not being in that situation, but also being heads up enough in that situation to realize you need to leave that situation right now. Yeah, the situation situational awareness that gets you out of there if you happen to be there in the first place. One of the things that, that AJ put into the PowerPoint for our class that I really like is the idea that if you wouldn't go there without a gun, you don't go there now because you have a gun. Carrying a gun does not mean you suddenly are more adventurous. It just means that you keep doing the same stuff you always did, but now you've got one more tool available to get your exit strategy if need be. So just because I can carry a gun now doesn't mean I'm going to Minneapolis. I wouldn't go there unarmed. I'm not going there armed if I can help it. Like I said, I've been there twice this year because there were two opportunities I had to go. I shouldn't say opportunities. There were two times I had to go because I couldn't not go. Yeah. Uh, We're kind of arguing a little bit in my household. I don't even want to go to the state fair this year. I'm not going to the state fair this year. I just... That's the, ever that's the difference. You're looking at the sum total of the leadership in my home. Yeah. And it is dictated, I'm not going to the state fair this year. Yeah. So good luck with that. Uh, me and the wife don't see the world through the same tinted glasses. Um, and that's okay. We don't have to. I don't, right? We, we don't need to. She hey, you know, if you see everything life. the same, there gets to be not a lot to talk about. Right. Um, but so we're... We're going back and forth. I have absolutely zero interest going to the state fair. Um, I, I I didn't enjoy it previously um, when it, we went in 18 and we went in 17. Uh, we went to a concert in 18. Uh, we left immediately after that concert. There was a shooting. There was a, uh, a shooting right near us. Uh, there was massive fights, um, all kinds of crazy stuff that I can't exactly, you know, I'm not recalling it off the top of my head. Um, but like, but going back to the whole thing, like I, I wouldn't go there without a gun. So I'm not going to go there with a gun. It, it's just a situation I can remove myself from. Um, well, that, that state fair has always been a big discussion from the standpoint of can the state fair ban guns in the first place? Because there's there's debate over whether it's private or public. Well, this year the story I'm hearing is that they're going to be metal detectors 
So it becomes a moot point. There are going to be no guns because you'll have to walk through a metal detector to get in. And yeah, so yeah, I, okay. Now I'm not interested in going either because yeah, you know, I, I don't want to go there first. So yeah, I'm not going to yeah. go there armed because I don't want to go there unarmed. But I mean, forget about it. Right. I've always carried when I've gone to the fair, and that's you know that's my choice, and I'm I'm fine with it. Um, it's hot. It's sweaty. I'm carrying a guy a, a three pound plus piece of freaking metal against my back or my side it sucks but whatever i'm cool with it uh there was a grant i think we talked about we might have shared it in chat with ourselves um because we weren't doing this at the time but yeah there was a grant or something that allowed for metal detectors to be put in uh and then we had the 2019 events and covid uh so the fair was canceled was it canceled 19 and 20 I thought it was just canceled last year. I thought there was a fair was in, in 19. Maybe we didn't go in 19 to begin with, um, as a family, I mean. Um, but, so, yeah, they. I don't know if they are or they are not, if they are in place or are not in place. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be real hard to get past that. Um, well, and, and, and you've seen my behavior. I'm not one of those people that's bending over backwards to, you know, isolate myself from COVID. But... As you pointed out to the rest of us today, there aren't going to be the COVID restrictions in place that were kind of expected. There isn't going to be a mask requirement. There isn't going to be a vaccination requirement. Nope. But let's be realistic. That is a topic that gets people hot fast. So I can certainly see the idea of this state fair being more volatile if any kind of situation comes up where somebody feels like somebody else is doing something to increase the risk that they're being exposed to. And again, I, I don't want to be there when the emotions boil over like that. Cause when reason and logic aren't dictating behavior anymore, that's when you run into trouble. And yep. boy, this is a topic that gets emotional real fast. You know, when we were going to the fair as a family, so to myself, the wife and the two kids who were both uh, under the age of seven, um, we, we always went super early. Uh, we would get there right as the fair would open up. Sure, we missed out on some of the food, which is the whole reason anybody goes to the state fair. Like, it's the food. Um, Certainly so, my reason. Right? What other reason is there to go? Uh, maybe machinery, hell, whatever. Yeah, I mean, other than a concert, it's the food. Yeah. So we would miss out on some of it, but we'd get, you know, the stuff we'd want to hit, be in and out by 11 o'clock we purposely would spend the extra money which good for us we have the ability to do so um along snelling there are those houses that would band together and they would they would put a car every freaking square foot of their property between them and their neighbors right they're parking on their lawns in their garages up on the sides of their houses you leave your keys with them which was a bit of an struggle for me the first time um and they'll move your car as they need to to get people in and out it's you know more money than going to the park and ride or catching the freaking the public transit bus but like we go there we do that because that is eliminating our interaction with people it is a it is reducing that percentage point and let's be 100 honest here we are in tens of decimals of percentage points of risk here, but I am reducing them as much as I can throughout my life. Going early, going over to the, the more expensive parking where everything is secured, right? I'm reducing the risk point percentage points in my life. That's the whole goal. That's how I view my life and my job. Um, that being said, I want nothing to do with it this year, but Going back, and I didn't intend to talk about this, um, but but I pulled it up since we were we ended up talking about the state fair here. Um, the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus recently held a press conference in which they announced that they are filing suit seeking an injunction against the State Agricultural Society, Ramsey County, and the Sheriff Bob Fletcher over violations of the Second Amendment. And Minnesota statutes. Basically, they are filing suit over the banning of firearms at the Minnesota State Fair. Um, I did not watch the press conference. I, I don't know if you did at all, Jim. Couldn't tell you the last time I watched a press conference. <laughs> um, long story short, uh, 
in participation with two individual platents. They filed a lawsuit in the uh, Ramsey County Court seeking an injunction against the Minnesota State Agricultural Society, which was the, the owner or the entity that puts on the fair. Yeah, I can't remember. That's part of that gray area, though, as far as, as you know, ownership and so on, as to whether a ban can be instituted based on, you know, it, it, it's only really allowed on private property. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I think it's interesting. Um, I'm, I guess I'm glad to see them out there, you know, fighting for our rights. I shouldn't say it like that. Like, I'm glad... Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus is doing things like this and filing suit and not letting these things uh, stagnate and lie. Um, I guess I you know I got to get a little more familiar with it to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's <clears throat> yeah you know something some things are clear. I mean the the post office we all know that's federal property you can't carry there the. Uh, you know, the National Guard Armory, it's fair game. You can carry there. They can't post saying you can't. It's, it's, it's clear, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, very obvious. But, you know, a private business can say, yeah, you can't carry here. And, and again, that's clear. But there's so much ambiguity around the fair and ownership and management and things like that, that it's, it's been a topic of, of conversation for many, many years. But now with the institution of the, me the metal detectors, things are coming to a head. You know, least, I mean, it used to be, as you saw, okay, you can walk past a sign that says the state fair bans guns because that's legal. Right. But now that when there's a metal detector and they say, um, yeah, you can't come in with that. Well, now you got to go get rid of it. And how do you do that safely? I'm not going to walk back to a car put a gun in the trunk and walk away and just tell everybody who was watching, Hey, I just secured something in the trunk. You might want to come break in and see. That. Right. And that's always my concern about going places where I know there are metal detectors. Maybe like we know a few people who've absolutely been able to, I don't want to use the word sneak. I can't think of an appropriate word, but been able to keep their firearm on them and make it through metal detectors. Uh, they'll get wanded, whatnot, behind a belt buckle, things like that. Um, again, I hate, I don't want to use the word sneak because it makes it seem... Smuggle would have been the word I would have used. Makes it seem devious and uh, with uh, ill intent. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you're 100% you're right. Like, now i got to go put my gun in the car, in the trunk... <clears throat> I happen to keep a lock case, a case that is lockable in the trunk of my car, and um, I'm able to wedge most of them down between the trunk lining and the spare tire. So at least if somebody does get in there, they're unlikely to pop that up and look at the spare tire. If we happen to take the truck, well, I don't have that same opportunity. <clears throat> um, so yeah, now I'm at risk, and I mean, I just we just talked about how. Uh, Firearms being stolen from cars are uh, a significant 100% uh, increase in Minneapolis. Well, where are most of your events going to be in Minnesota, uh, separate from the state fair, right? They're going to be in Minneapolis, the Twin Stadium, the uh, Viking Stadium. You know, granted, you have the Target Center for the uh, for the Timberwolves. Target Center. You oh, happen to have um, St. Paul, which has the Excel Energy Center and has uh, the whatever the soccer team's name is. I don't follow soccer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go leave my gun in my car in those areas. So, yeah, it's a, it's in default. a uh, it, It's an obstacle that makes you not want to carry. If you don't want to carry, I don't know about you. Well, I know about you, but if I don't want to carry there, if I feel like I can't, I don't want to go there. So, I don't know. Uh, the uh, press release, when I have it up here, did state that as an arm of the state government, the Minnesota State Agricultural Society is completely preempted under multiple state statutes, which I would agree with if they indeed are truly an arm of the state uh, government. Yeah, they don't have the ability or authority uh, under statute to, to ban the carrying of firearms there. Um, so... Yeah, specifically, Minnesota law preempts any local regulation of firearms and ammunition that is inconsistent with state law to 
the complete exclusion of any order, ordinance, or regulations. Preemption. State has preemption. You cannot make any laws more... Uh, strict is the word I always use. Exactly. Strict than what the state has on the books. So, I don't know. Oh, thank goodness, uh, Can you imagine if you had to keep track of a change in statute as you crossed a county line, as you crossed a city line? That would be so confusing. You, you would be inadvertently breaking probably quite a few laws because it would be an impossible thing to keep track of. It's hard enough to keep track of the different laws when you go from state to state to state. Oh, God, yeah. States with uh, I know there's a, a, a list of, uh, oh, gosh, the first, ex I, I googled states without gun preemption laws um and the first thing that comes up is in every town for gun safety uh website so <laughs> <laughs> that's the first right in here on the well, that's that's got to be an seo type thing right they right that. oh god well hey look bloomberg's money goes far uh, as a result of a concerted lobbying campaign by the national rifle association more than 40 states have passed broad firearm preemption laws that specifically prohibit local governments from adopting reasonable gun laws tailored to local conditions. These laws prevent local mayors and police chiefs, the officials most familiar with local criminal activity and how to address it from passing common sense public safety measures designed to keep their communities safe. I mean, let's, I, the, the number of errors in there is so staggering, I don't even know where, where to begin, but let's just start with mayors and police don't enact laws. No. It isn't preventing them from doing anything because they don't enact laws in the first place, and I think that's a good place to stop, too. We're, we're going down a, we're down a rabbit hole on that one. I was just going to say, we're going down a rabbit hole. State firearm preemption laws are a relatively recent phenomenon inconsistent with the centuries of American history in which cities and rural areas had different gun laws. That's cherry-picking some shit. Well, and I mean, it's it's an obscure case, but the example that's coming to mind is, do you remember Tamir Rice? He was a... Uh, uh, younger kid, I mean, I think he was maybe close to adult age, but I mean, he was certainly younger than me, uh, who was killed in the Baltimore police custody several years ago. Uh, he was arrested for having a knife on him, which was legal by Baltimore County statute, but illegal by Baltimore City statute by a half an inch. I mean, that's just the kind of thing that, that we're talking about here uh, is having to keep track of such minutia over, you know, I mean, how many times can you cross a city line in just running errands in an afternoon? And to think that you would have to be subject to different gun laws every time and have to keep track of all of them. So I've done some traveling. Um, I've done some traveling on the East Coast, and there are absolutely parts of the East Coast where, in short order, you can pass through multiple states in a, a half-hour, hour drive. And, um, you know, just think about New Jersey, uh, the state I love to hate on. Uh, perfectly legal in every other state except maybe Hawaii. You're a felon in New Jersey. Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's ridiculous. It's it's stupid. It's just, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm reading the, uh, uh, I'm reading the Wikipedia entry, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, Tamir Rice had a fake pistol, actually, replica toy gun, and a police officer shot him immediately after uh, arriving on the scene. So. Okay, well, I might have the wrong name then because the person that I'm thinking of was not shot. He died while it, in oh, custody. Oh. So I, I probably have the story right, but I'm putting the wrong person's name on it. Yeah, um, I remember what you're talking about, and I can't think of the name, but yeah, that was a that was some shady stuff, in my opinion. I'm, yeah, and and not to get into the shady stuff, that but just the whole idea yeah, of. You know, within the county where he was, he was good, but within the city where he was, he was illegal. It's like, 
I can't blame the kid for violating that law. He he probably had no idea he was. Yeah, and it's, I'm not trying to call you out. To track. Yeah, I'm not trying to call you out. I just, you know, be as factual as we can. No, you, you know me. That's that's what I want is to be as factual as I can. So if I've got the name wrong and we can figure out the name right, I'll change my story and include the right name. I don't sound very credible when I tell you a story and then you look it up and say, that's not true. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, oh, man. I can't think of it now. I, I, I know the exact one you're talking about because the um, – Yeah, I mean, it was a solid 10 oh, years ago. I mean, it was yeah. not real recent. So, anyway. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Baltimore, but that's as much as I can remember anymore. You know, Baltimore's kind of a shithole. Yeah, that doesn't narrow it down all that much, does it? Like, if you ever go on TikTok or – um, which don't TikTok is such a goddamn trap. Uh, it's so bad. Um, I've got a teenage daughter. I hear a lot about TikTok, but yeah, I don't, I'm not on there. I can't help myself. It's it's yeah. You know, I go to bed at eight thirty. Next thing I know, it's ten thirty, and I'm like, oh, crap! I got to get up at four in the morning. <laughs> um, but so if you go on TikTok, or you can even find them on YouTube and Twitch and whatever Twitter. They'll do live streams. People walk down the streets of inner city Baltimore, and it is like they are freaking zombies. They are all strung out. They are all fucked up. Um, it is interesting what is happening in Baltimore in comparison to what I live in every day. Um, I don't know. I would encourage anybody to... to get some unbiased information on how bad some of these inner cities are. Uh, yeah, because, you know, not trying to, to be political or anything like that, we're on our way uh -huh. with Minneapolis, and, and that's something that it would be nice to turn around if, if possible. I don't know if it is possible anymore, but it's going to take a whole lot of information, gaining of knowledge for it to happen. Well, and I mean, that's, we all operate in echo chambers, um, unknowingly and knowingly, and, and there's not a lot we can do out to get out of it because, you know, those echo chambers are good for views, and views equate to money. Um, so, you know, they, they tailor those things so that we do follow them. Um, it's hard to find solid, good, factual information, no matter what side of whatever you want to say you end up on. It, it's, it's incredibly difficult to find quality, factual information. So yeah, really trying to walk a line here where I'm not like, you know, CNN's lying, but CNN's lying. That being okay. said, Fox News is lying just as much. Yeah, the, the, the problem is the news is a money-making entity just like anybody else. If we just, for purposes of simplifying the conversation, talk about TV news, TV news is like any other TV show. They have to have ratings mm -hmm. so they can charge a lot of money for their commercials and therefore make money. So they've got to do what it takes to appeal to the viewership and the truth doesn't get in the way of them doing that. Right, it's news. I, uh, one, one of the guys I, li I like listening to is, uh, at least if you want to listen to a, a celebrity pundit, is Denzel Washington. And he's a big one for that. He says, you know, you got two choices. You can read the newspaper and be uninformed, or you can read the news. I'm sorry, you can, you can not read the newspaper and be uninformed, or you can read the newspaper and be misinformed. Correct. Those are your choices. He's not wrong. Yeah, and, and that's the sad part. He's not wrong. Oh, all right. So, got a few other things that have popped up that I wanted to talk about, but it's probably better held for um, other stuff. Like, you know, it's a lot of crap going on right now with, you know, suddenly the Taliban saying that civilians don't need firearms and... You know, who left the Taliban? Boy, the Taliban sure just acquired a bunch of new stuff, didn't they? Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, a 
something about needing F-15s and nukes to uh, fight the federal government, and uh, clearly that's not accurate. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not in a place I want to talk about that right now. That's really frustrating to me. Um, just the the waste. Um, you got Taliban's running around with M24s, uh, which is significant. Um, you, though, Jim, have recently acquired, I make it sound devious, you've recently purchased a, uh, a new firearm. Care to enlighten? Yeah, I mean, I've been firing pistols for a hell of a long time. You know, yeah, you're the, you're the, you know your pistols, and you're a very good pistol marksman, and you're a very good pistol expert. When uh, when we get somebody on the range and I show them how to load the magazine, I load three of them, then I hand it to them and say, you finish, and I'll do this other one. And so I'm loading ten versus their seven. They never have ever finished before me. And they're like, wow, you're fast. I'm like, well, best I can tell, I've done this 50,000 times. So I get a little practice on you. My fun one, though, is you know most of the time we have their date of birth on the roster. And if they're young enough, I'll look and say, oh, I actually have been doing it longer than you've been alive. I've had guns like this since 1992. You were only born in 1995. So, yeah, I've got a little bit of an edge on you. But uh, up until, you know, the the time we went down to Almonds when we had our, our, our advanced class with our, our former instructor, who's now the, the instructor for a major metropolitan police department, I mean, I never thought about a rifle. And I had brought a carbine that day, which, for those of you who don't know, is a pistol caliber gun with a longer barrel so it looks and fires like a rifle but when you start talking about velocity and trajectories and things like that it's not a rifle no but uh, that's all i had but i i thought you know i it's time to get a rifle and the thing to get seemed to be an ar so i talked to you i talked to a couple other people and the consensus was just like with a computer you know if, if you've got a bit of a skill set you get the best bang for your buck by building it yourself because then you know what each little component is. And you and I started looking for components, and the backlogs were 12 to 18 months. What's not the time to build your own? Yeah, so we just started looking at that and saying, now, you know what? Maybe someday if they are more available, we'll build another one. But I just pulled the trigger figuratively and bought something pre-built. AJ, for uh, those of you who, who tune in regularly, normally is with us here, but uh, his, his regular job is preventing him from joining us tonight. But he's had a Ruger 5.56 for many years and, and is completely happy with it. So Ruger came out recently with an upgrade to that model called the MPR, and that's what I bought. I figure if, if, if AJ's been happy with a, a 5.56 and I'm buying the one that's supposed to be a, a model above that, that's got to be good enough for me, right? Mm -hmm. So as you can see, it doesn't come with sights. So I bought a set of uh, pop-up iron sights. I had a red dot sitting around already that I had uh, intended to put on that carbine, but just never installed. Got that on there. Finally got some ammunition. It actually showed up yesterday. <laughs> so uh, my brother, who's in town from uh, the southwest, and I went to the range today and fired that thing and sighted it in and yeah, that was, uh, I, I don't consider myself a good shot with a rifle because I haven't taken a lot of shots with rifles in my lifetime. But uh, even with that red dot, I was my, my target is just something that I've made on a, on a printer that prints on regular pieces of paper. It's just an 8-inch circle, basically. You get that down at the end of 46 yards at the range, the stinking red dot's as big as the target. Yeah. But uh, I was still doing, you know, inch and a half, two inch groups at 46 yards with that. Sighted in the uh, iron sights at 25 yards, and well, I feel like I've got a pretty, pretty accurate thing available to me now, and and uh, that was kind of fun. And then my brother brought two others that he's again a big one for for building his own. He bought one that he had that's uh, 277 Wolverine, and another that fires uh, 6.8 SPC. And both of those have scopes on them with the idea of, of showing me scopes. And uh, 
I'm probably going to end up buying a, a scope like he has on the 277 Wolverine. It's a nice, small, compact, easy-to-use scope. But now all of a sudden, with magnification, the target and the sight aren't the same sight and same size anymore. So your your ability to be accurate goes way up. Well, yeah. Um, red dots are are awesome. I absolutely run a red dot on on my ARs. Um, I'm not looking for distance, right? They're 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 uh, QCB, I guess. But you know, I mean, a 16 inch two two three isn't a good QCB weapon. Um, I wanted to touch on that 277 Wolverine. I find it interesting. So the 277 Wolverine is actually a 6.8 parent case. So it's 6.8 by uh, 39. So it's in between a 2.3 and a uh, 7.62 by 39. Uh, it's a Wildcat cartridge currently. We looked it up before. They are going for SAMI certification, uh, which would move them out of that Wildcat cartridge, which would give, you know, reloaders like myself who are unwilling to uh, – unwilling to risk certain things at this point, you know, something to build off of. Uh, it's a multi-purpose mid-power cartridge uh, with an increased ballistic performance over the AR-15's, you know, traditional 223. Um, it does require a new barrel and uh, upgrade and to convert any 5.56 base firearms. So, and, you know, I'd be curious, you'll have to ask your brother since he's in town, um, my understanding is 6.8 uh, cartridge size is about as large as you can go on the AR-15's current bolt carrier group without losing too much material to actually hold that rifle and contain or to hold that cartridge and contain the pressures um, while still having a seamless extraction and not breaking any of those lugs off of that. The, uh, yeah, so what you're saying, you know, any, anything bigger, more powerful, and you're probably down now to an AR-10 type platform. Yeah, you're looking at a different bolt carrier group. You're looking at more weight. And, I mean, that's the whole reason, right? We're trying to cram as much performance as we can into as little of weight and package. Um, yeah. For, for, for those who, who, you know, just want a, a quick lesson, this is, is obviously not a rifle cartridge. This is the spent case from an A-10 fighter plane, but uh, it makes a good example. If you think of this as a 5.56 cartridge, right here, where it goes from being the first cylinder and then widening out, you'd cut that off, and then you reshape the bullet so that it has the same basic shape, but now that bowing out is further down. You make this a little bit wider, and that's how you make a 277 case out of a 5.56 case. So it's not, you know, you know, the idea of, of not wanting to get into that, you know, from a reloading standpoint, I'll, I get it. I mean, I've reloaded shot shells in the day, and those are easy because all you do is keep reusing them. When they start cracking, you throw them away. Yeah. Brass. I mean, there is so much work that goes to, for lack of a, a better word, maintaining the brass to keep it usable from a, a fitting standpoint and a, and a reliability standpoint. I mean, I'm just not really interested in that. But to then have to reshape them like that? Oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. Well, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reading, and it has uh, a good ballistic coefficient on that 277 Wolverine. It has a really good energy at 300 yards. Um, interesting. I'm curious. It's uh, something I've not dabbled in yet eventually when I have more time. Yeah, it's uh, it, because it has a bigger opening, because it has a wider bullet, it can be used with a faster burning powder than a, than a two twenty three. So yeah. it can, can, definitely, uh, can definitely be a step up there if you want it. Interesting. My understanding is is it's kind of a, a line that gets crossed, and, and when you get to the 277 Wolverine, you've got a relatively, uh, you know, acceptable hunting bullet for for most applications that the 223 really isn't. Hmm. I mean, there's still some stuff that's going to be too big for it, but that's what you got 30 caliber for. Absolutely, that's what the <laughs> that's what the Barrett is for, right? Well, no, that's that's when you want to go scrape up your. Uh, your, your <laughs> well, that's that's when the bear is on the other side of your neighbor's house with the motor home and a couple of cars <laughs> in the way. <laughs> uh, nice. Well, well yes, yeah, so that was that was uh, that was a new one for me. I spent more time on a rifle today than 
you know, probably any other time in, in my life and, and uh, probably a pretty significant amount of it compared to all of the cumulative time in my life. So yeah. now I feel like I've got a tool that, that, that works and, and I understand it. The first thing we did with it was yesterday, we took it apart and, you know, went again, as Shane has done with me at a different time, went through all the different parts and how it works and, and why this does that to help understand it so that you can take it apart and put it back together more easily because you understand what each thing is and then, of course, you know, get all that shipping oil off and get it replaced. Tool oil. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I don't want to deviate too much, but um, that's something we run into a lot on the range. Uh, I, I get a lot of people who come in and, you know, it's a new gun and they've, they've maybe shot it 15, 20, 50 times. And, you know, it, it's not running so smooth, not running so uh, nice. And they're like, well, it's brand new, and I don't get it. And the first question I ask is, well, did you clean it before you shot it? And inevitably, most of the answers are no. I, I didn't. I didn't clean it. I didn't know I needed. Yeah, to. and that's come along. That comes along with a glazed, clueless look of, why would I do that? Look, like I get it. I'm lazy. I'm a lazy son of a bitch. I don't clean my guns. I tell everybody this. I, t- I say it in class. I'm going to tell you what you should do, and then I'm going to tell you what I do. I don't clean my goddamn guns. Um, the only gun I clean with any uh, regularity are my hunting guns, which is because I shoot them once a year and I put them back in the safe. So, um, you know, that being said, uh, I'm going to deviate a little more. Um, Jim knows because I've been talking about it for the last year and a half. I have a, a classroom gun, I have a Taurus TX22. So one of the other things I say in class is, hey, you know, I appreciate that you guys went out and you got guns and, you know, you got this, you got that. You're doing the right, you're taking the right steps, you're doing the right thing, and you're, you're getting some, some uh, education in this. But there's a few guns you shouldn't buy. The first gun on my list is uh, anything by Taurus. And then I tell people, but I'm going to have you shoot a Taurus in class. I, cl- I, I cleaned that pistol, the classroom pistol, for the first time and I don't know six months to the other day still running fine i was just looking at it i was like oh kind of see the build up here i should do something about this so um i don't clean guns i totally lost where i was going with this whole conversation well, and, and and i mean 22 is a very dirty cartridge our work guns get hundreds if not sometimes four figure numbers of rounds in them every month oh yeah we're gonna run through a thousand rounds this week uh, weekend. Yeah, at at this point, with 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 what we have planned on Saturday, if everybody shows up, we're going to need nine hundred rounds to get through yeah. all of the students' plans. So That's absolutely. if everybody shoots perfect. Yeah, yeah. Assuming everybody shoots perfect, they, they won't. But, but uh, uh, with the last, you know, I haven't had the Glocks that I'm using now all that long a time. But I can remember the last gun that I used. There were days where you know chunks of carbon are falling out. I'm like, you know, I should think about cleaning this gun. But it was working perfectly, so why not? Well, that was a Mark II, right? That was the Mark IV. I don't or, think I ever oh. let the Mark II get that dirty. Okay. I Maybe. I can't remember anymore which one it was. I can't remember I what that was when I switched. I love target pistols, but they are very much a, if they're working, don't screw with them. If you clean it, it may not work. Oh, yeah, that Mark II, after I would give it a thorough cleaning, would be bad for probably the first hundred rounds. And I would have to oil it a couple of times during that. Even I mean, that includes oiling it after I clean it. Then you have to shoot a few rounds and oil it again and shoot a few rounds and oil it again. And then it would be good for months until, you know, the carbon starts falling out and stuff. And then, yeah, yeah, that that gun just misbehaved when you did a deep cleaning act to it. Yeah, so going, going, going back to the tool oil thing when you first get a gun you need to clean all that tool oil off tool oil tends to be a bit more viscous and uh, it also has an opportunity to dry out and become more gummy as that gun sits on a shelf or in a box for however long um so yeah you'll get people who will come in and they'll have not shot their firearm and uh, or they've shot it if you know they they inevitably go the day before their test and uh they shoot and they come in, they're like, wow, I was shooting perfect yesterday. Um, yeah, you got you to clean all that tool oil off. Um, yeah, the way I always phrase it is the oil that comes from the factory is there to prevent corrosion. 
Right. The oil that you want on it is for lubrication, and they are not the same oil. No, no. Uh, yeah, I absolutely put a different coating on my hunting firearms when I put them away versus my everyday carry. And that what the coating I put on the hunting firearms is a corrosion resistant. It's to help it from rusting. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Just clean your goddamn guns, people. <laughs> so, I can only do so much on the range. Yeah, because, I mean, we can't take it apart and clean it on the range. I mean, I carry a bottle of oil. We can throw a little oil on it. But if the problem is we got gunky oil in there in the first place, that's really not going to help. I keep a little spray can of, of that Ballastol now, which I don't know if I ever got back to you. I love Ballastol. Uh, that's my go-to for everything gun-related. It's a bit spending, not going to lie. i, I got to um, be honest. I have a hard time getting past the smell. That is some stinky stuff. And I, the problem is I've got a very tight room where I tend to use it. Yeah. On the range with the ventilation, it might be a better tool. But in my little workshop, for lack of a better term, oh, it gets bad in there fast. And I love the smell of Ballastol. Not going to mm. lie. Absolutely. That, that's, I mean, I can handle the smell of gasoline, but yeah, Ballastol doesn't sit well with me. Fair enough. I use it on everything. I, I my knives, um, anything that needs lubrication, I've, I've absolutely screwed up and left a, a few tools out that have gotten rest, rusty. I hit them with Ballastol, a little bit of Scotch Bright, and uh, they're good to go. I love this stuff. But uh, teach is their own. You should, you know, some guns require grease. Some guns require oil. Some guns require lube. Figure out what works for you. Use what works for you. Uh, a lot of them are the same. Whatever you do, don't use WD-40. So, Yeah, the way I put it in class is there are as many philosophies and products for cleaning guns as there are guns. But, yes, use an actual lubricant. WD-40 is technically not a lubricant. It has some lubricating qualities initially. But those will evaporate. It is a water displacing agent. It is not a lubricant. No, it just happens to smell amazing. Um, I can go with that. Yeah, WD forty is an okay smell. Yeah. So no, um, I, I so I carry a little little six ounce can of, of Ballastol, and I'll, I'll pop the firearm open, show them inevitably, show them how to take their firearm apart because it's something about. People get so nervous in their permit to carry course, uh, in their permit to carry test. It, it, it's ridiculous. I get it, I guess, a little bit. but um, So I'll show them how to take their gun apart because I can't think clearly. We'll just spray the hell out of the thing, slap it together. we got ballast all running out of it. It'll it'll operate for their, their test, and we'll get them out of there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I used to just try to calm people down and, okay, take a breath, relax, take a minute. But I started using a line that I got from you. Well, if you're nervous now, what's going to happen when you're facing the big bad guy? I mean, this is this is something you've got to figure out how to control. Yeah, if this makes you nervous, we have more work to do. Uh, the other line I use is, uh, it, it all depends, right? Some people, you can kind of tell who's going to respond to what type of probing um you know the other thing i'll say is oh you know i'm getting sense you're a little nervous here and like i get it i'm totally judging you so <laughs> and you know some people you know you can use that with some people you can't use it with some other people so yeah it's just like those conversations when the women come in with the low-cut tops and you try to address the idea of when the brass gets down there you know, just for future reference, high collars and closed-toed shoes when you go to the range. People, not right. just females. Yeah, no, closed-toed closed shoes, no low-cut tops. I want to start charging extra for the women with the fingernails. That are the, so the new thing, and I love them. I think they're, I think they're cool, like admittedly. The pointy fingernails now, like which is apparently a thing. I think it's cool. Whatever. But you, you, can, you can't load a goddamn magazine to save your life. You can't operate a firearm to save your goddamn life. So uh, think about, do you really want to save your life? So 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've never been one to have long nails. I mean, if, if I can see any white, it, it's time to cut it. But, uh, you know, my daughter will get some in there, you know, not all that far out. She's like, after a week, I got to peel them off because I have too much trouble doing stuff. So you get some of those real long nails out there. I'm like, I, I don't know how people get through the day like that. They just don't. I don't either. Not at all. All right. We managed to talk for a lot longer than I thought we were going to talk for today. Oh, we didn't have AJ interrupting us, right? <laughs> Directing the conversation, running it like a business. So, <laughs> all right, let's call it a night. Uh, I appreciate you joining me, Jim. Uh, like yeah, I was going to say, we've, we've, we've had some trouble being a little bit uh, consistent with these lately, but uh, what, uh, September 1st should be the next show? Cool. I think I'm in St. Louis on September 1st. So You've done it from the hotel room before. It's going to be again. It's going to be again. Yeah, last time, two weeks ago, I was without internet or er, uh, cell phone service, actually, for, for a week, and it was a beautiful goddamn thing. So um, we should be back September 1st, and, uh, you know, we'll try to get uh, – we'll try to be more prompt with putting the notifications out, some topics we're going to talk about. We'd love a little bit of a feedback on things we should talk about um, or things people are interested in. We'd love to do some research on, on items for people that maybe don't have the time. Um, that being said – Appreciate you you joining. Appreciate everybody listening. We'd love it if you would uh, subscribe, like, comment, and uh, follow us on the social medias. Jim, thank you much.